Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of True Crime Pillow Talk, where we talk all things true crime. If you're interested in true crime, don't forget to like, share, and hit the notification bell to be notified of the next video posted. I post videos every Monday and Wednesday. Let's get on to today's case. Today we're discussing Elizabeth Diane Downs. Listener discretion is advised as we will be talking about sexual, mental, and physical abuse in horrific events that involve children. Elizabeth Diane Downs goes by Diane, and for the remainder of this episode, I will refer to her as such. Was born August 7, 1955 in in Phoenix, Arizona, to Wesley Linden and Willadine Engel Fredrickson. It stated her childhood was rough as she testified that she was sexually abused when she was 12 years old. She graduated from Moon Valley High School and enrolled into Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College in Orange, California. She was later expelled only a year later after starting at Pacific Coast for frequently engaging in sexual activity with multiple partners. After being expelled, she returned home where she later ran away to marry Steve Downs. Diane met Steve at Moon Valley High School, and they married November 13, 1973. In 1974, the Downs had their first baby, a baby girl named Christy Ann, and in 1976, another baby girl, Cheryl Lynn, and in 1979, the last baby, Stephen Daniel, also known as Danny, was born. The couple divorced only a year after Stephen was born in 1980. The cause for the divorce was due to Steve believing that Danny was the result of an extramarital affair Diane was having. On May 8, 1982, Diane gave birth to another daughter whom she named Jennifer before signing away her parental rights. Diane worked for the United States Postal Service, USPS, and her route she was assigned to was in the city of Cottage Grove, California. May 19, 1983, Diane shot her three children and then drove them into, drove them in a car to McKenzie Willamette Hospital in Springfield, Oregon. When she arrived to the hospital, Cheryl, seven at the time, was dead upon arrival. Danny, three at the time, was paralyzed from the waist down, and Christy, eight at the time, suffered a stroke that caused her to have speech issues. Diane had a gunshot wound to her left forearm. When asked what happened, she calmly told the investigators and hospital staff that she was carjacked on a rural road near Springfield by a strange man with shaggy hair who shot her three kids and her because Diane would not give him her car. It was noted by staff and investigators that Diane was not only very calm for someone who just experienced this traumatic event, she was also making a lot of inappropriate comments. Diane came to visit her children, and during the visit she called Robert Knickerbocker. Robert is a married man that Diane had an affair with. They used to work with each other in Arizona at USPS. Christy started to tell the police what happened and who truly shot her. When police asked about the shaggy-haired man that demanded the car, Christy confirmed that was a lie. 
It stated that a babysitter also informed police that just few a few weeks later, a few weeks before, sorry, the murder and attempted murders of her children occurred, Cheryl informed the babysitter that she was scared of her own mother. After police heard from Christie, they started the investigation where they found Diane's journal that stated she had an affair with a married man that did not want children. They arrested Diane after Christie's statement for one count of murder and two counts of attempted murder. The lead detective, Fred Hugie, for this case went on to adopt both Danny and Christie and took them in as his own. He did this because of how scared he was that Diane was going to eventually come back and try to find her children, kidnap, and kill them. The police reached out to Robert about the affair and if he knew anything about the shooting. Robert informed police that Diane stalked him and seemed like she wanted to murder his wife if that meant she could have him all to herself. He informed police that he was happy when he found out that she left for Oregon, and at that point he was able to reconcile with his wife. Police found out that Diane owned a twenty-two caliber handgun from Steve, her ex-husband, and Robert, her lover. Upon further investigation, police found that she purchased it in Arizona. She also informed police that she was driving at a, quote, high speed, end quote, to get to the hospital. But other witnesses on the road came forward and told police that she was actually driving between 5 and 7 miles per hour. On February 28, 1984, nine months after the shooting, Diane Downs was arrested and charged with one count of murder, two counts of attempted murder, and criminal assault. In 1984, the trial began. Diane, she wanted sympathy from the jury, and she believed that she could achieve that goal, being that she was pregnant and able to seduce a married man, so she figured being pregnant, the women that were in the jury were going to take her side and understand her her standpoint, and she believed that she would be able to seduce the other men, um, the other three jurors that were men. However, things took a turn for the worse for Downs. Her daughter, Christy, went through months of extensive physical and mental therapy to be able to speak again, and because of that, she was able to get up on the stand and tell the juries who really killed her, her sister, paralyzed her brother from the chest down, and caused herself to have not only a stroke and speech issues, but now she has limited use of her right arm for the rest of her life. Christy explained to the jurors that her mother parked on the side of the road, shot all three of them, and then shot herself in the arm. The jurors consisted of nine women and three men, and after 31 days of trial, it took 36 hours to deliberate. It's also noted that the jurors told them, told news broadcast broadcasters that if they had to wait until Christmas of that same year to make sure that they were all on the same page and that they picked the correct verdict for this case they would have waited. Diane Downs was found guilty on June 17, 1984. The judge sentenced Downs to life in prison with an additional 50 years on top of it, and the judge made it very clear to the courts that he does not intend for Downs to ever be free again. Psychiatrists stated that she was a narcissist and had an antisocial personality disorder and even went so far to label her as a deep deviant sociopath.
I hope I've pronounced that right. <laughs> a month after her trial ended, she gave birth to her fifth child, who she named Amy Elizabeth. And ten days before Diane was sentenced, the state seized all rights from Diane and took Amy from her custody. Amy was adopted by Chris and Jackie Babcock, and they changed her name to Rebecca Babcock, and she goes by Becca. Rebecca did a an interview with 2020 and Oprah Winfrey, where she called her biological mother, quote, a monster, end quote, and stated how she regretted writing her mother in her younger years. Diane was incarcerated at the Oregon Women's Correctional Center in Salem. She attempted to succeed at escaping from her cell. She climbed an 18-foot razor wire fence. She was on the run for 10 days. And on the 10th day, that's when she was recaptured. Diane befriended another inmate who told her if she succeeded in escaping, she could go to the address she wrote down for her. It turned out that the address... the other inmate wrote down for Diane was the inmate's home and her her husband helped in keeping her hidden from the cops. After she was recaptured, she received five more years onto her sentence and she was then transferred to New Jersey Department of Corrections, Clinton Correctional Facility for Women. This was due to Fred Hugie, the lead investigator on this case, bugging the courts about how the Salem prison was too close to his home and that he was afraid if she escaped again, she would come after her children. In 1994, after 10 years, Diane was then transferred again to California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. While in prison, she earned an associate's degree in general studies. 2010, she was then relocated again to Valley State Prison for Women in Chowchilla, California and then was transferred out again when the facility was converted to an all-male institution in 2013. In 2008, Diane put in her first application for parole and made sure to tell the parole board she was innocent. um, December 9th, 2008 was her first hearing, and District Attorney Douglas wrote, Quote, Downs continues to fail to demonstrate any honest insight into her criminal behavior, even after her conviction. She continues to fabricate new versions of events under the crimes occurred, end quote. He then wrote, quote, she alternately refers to her assailants as a bushy-haired stranger, two men wearing ski masks or drug dealers, and corporate law enforcement officials, end quote. She participated in the hearing but was not able to provide a statement, but was able to answer questions from the parole board. Three hours of interviews and 30 minutes of deliberation, she was denied parole. Diane went to... Diane went to her second parole hearing on December 10th, 2012, and was denied again. Her next parole was set for 2020 and was denied again as well. Diane's earliest release from prison is 2025. She is still incarcerated. And that is all for today. Thank you all for tuning into another episode of True Crime Pillow Talk. Until next time, be safe out there.